because you have to understand though like ray has been dealing with this all this time and his one goal has been to get emma and norman out safely and now he's gotten so close to this end and he failed norman is gone norman has been shipped norman is dead and he and he just he just lost it he lost his will to keep to, fighting to live to fight guys what's up we're the otaku couple i am mrs otaku and i'm mr otaku and this is the i'd rather anime podcast number 32 this is your place to catch up on all things anime new and old with a lovely addition of our opinions thoughts and banter we know you could be doing other things so we're glad that you'd rather anime with us yes yeah, so what we watched this week one piece is back finally yeah. and you know what we're we're we're, we're, we're gonna talk about it but let me just say that the part that I was waiting to see animated was finally animated. Yes. And I feel rather good about this episode. Yeah. Honestly. You want to tell them what that part was? Yeah, so the part that I wanted to see animated that I've been waiting for since I read it in the manga is the part where Jimbei, he is looking at his old crew and he's just like... I can't leave them and so he's like I got like I, I can't leave them behind and Luffy's like okay then we'll stay too and then Jinbei's like no y'all go ahead let me bring up the rear and then Luffy has this moment where he's just like okay we're going we'll meet you in the land of Wano and you better come and he's just like I am your captain now and I was just like, yeah, because my inner Zoro is just like so proud of him for like laying down the law and demanding respect as a captain. And he's like, you joined my crew. You left being the captain of your crew to join my crew. And I'm the captain of this ship. So what I say goes and I am your captain. So you better show up. Um, I think the manga did it better in this case because yeah. it's just like in the manga he was like even if, if you, you die, die you better show up and it's just like the seriousness of that phrase I just felt like it wasn't like Luffy in the anime said you better come no matter what or don't die no matter what I think is his exact words yeah. and it's like that's, that's, that's powerful but you know it's more powerful telling somebody that even if they die they better show up yeah and it was it was very powerful in the manga when we read it, and it's like the anime moment it was good, but it's, the the manga moment was just more powerful. It stuck with me. It, like, it stuck with me. Yeah. Honestly, if I hadn't read the manga, I probably would have just like glanced over that moment personally, because I feel like in the anime the moment that stuck with me the most is that like there's this one scene that my memory could just be crappy but I don't remember seeing it in the manga where Jinbei goes up to uh, Aladdin and he's like Aladdin's like what you're back and Jinbei's like no I'm here as a member of the Straw Hats and I'm doing what I can to help my captain get away or whatever he's just like I'm bringing up the rear etc etc but it's just kind of like you know it's nice to see that and that's probably the part I would focus on in the anime because that's the first time you really see Jinbei refer to himself as a member of the Straw Hats. Yeah, so it was, it was nice. That part wasn't in the manga, not that I, I don't believe it was anyway. I don't remember that being uh, in the manga either. So, but it was still good. I mean, he still had a, a little conversation with Aladdin, but 
he didn't say what he said about him being a member of the Straw Hats. And we got also got that part with Beige where they're getting away. And then we also got the part with like Big Mom going. She's like on some type of swimming reptilian thing with Turtle Pressburg. candy slug or something. I I'm, don't know. Something. It's it's weird, but uh, she's like, basically, if Straw Hat's not dead, then I need to go. Go so finish him off. Go finish him off. And so they're on their way. And um, again, it could just be my memory, but in the manga, I don't remember like seeing that. Like, Jinbei left to go bring up the rear, and then like that was it. That's the last thing that I remember. Well, I think I Big Mom did come in the manga. It was was on our way after him as well. I don't manga. remember that. I might have just glanced over it though because I was going through it like back to back. Yeah. So it just could be one of those things that just got lost in the memory. Yeah, yeah, when you're binge reading the manga, some things kind of fall off because you're not letting each one marinate every week. Yeah, but it was it was a good episode. Um, next week we're supposed to hopefully get the conclusion of yeah. Whole Cake Island, and we're supposed to see what happens with Pudding and German Double Six and Big Mom and pretty much the war. I guess it's not really a war with six it's people. Really, it's not really a war. It's um. Uh, Basically, what really happened at the end? Um, I guess I think we should get the get we, should, we should get the Katakuri, um brulee backstory Probably. thing. Yeah, and uh, the other stuff should be wrapped up. But I don't think we should see any of the straw hats other than probably Jinbei in the next episode. I don't know. Gotta respect those fishmen though. Like they straight up made a whole new ocean current. Yep. And like put, that's impressive. And, and put a whirlpool. Put a whirlpool between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the straw hats, it's done. They've gotten away. Yeah. Like I mean, you're not going after them because you can't point. catch them on sea. And I haven't seen any of Big Mom's people that are like expert flyers. So I think it's a done deal. I think. I think they've they've covered that. Like Doflamingo was the one who could just like walk between the oceans. Yeah, like strings. He uses strings to attach to each cloud and something crazy like that. Yeah, it's like what do you do on a clear day? What happens if the if it, if it starts to clear up while you're out walking on the ocean? But anyway, that was One Piece. Um, yeah. All right, let's move on to Black Clover. Black Clover. So, Black Clover, episode 74. Um, spoiler alert. Not really. Um, we told you this last week. Um, Asta's team won. They beat the uh, fodder. And, um, but not how you would expect them, though. Yeah. Basically, mystery guy. He Zerk's Lugner. That's his alias. That's his alias. That's not his real name. I'm not even going to call him that. I mean, if it turns out to be his real name later, I mean, I it's guess it'll be not. I, I mean, he's impersonating Zerks. Yeah. So I'm not even going to bother committing the name to memory. Um, so you can call him Xerxes. There's nothing wrong with you calling He's probably going to be called Xerxes this entire arc. I think you should commit it to memory. Yeah, but yeah. I just won't. But, uh... Okay. <laughs> the, the match starts and basically he falls asleep and he tells them to go handle everything on their own and they do okay, but then they end up in a tough spot and then all of a sudden Asta gets, uh... What caught in a trap. He gets it's caught a perilous, in some, a paralysis trap. He gets caught in some type of paralysis trap, and then the other three guys on the other team are doing these three major attacks from all sides against him. And mm. one, it's important to note that the guy that they're fighting, who has the crystal that they're trying to destroy, because just in case you 
haven't seen it, um, they're taking the Royal Knights exam and basically it's a capture the flag type game with a magic crystal where each team has a magic crystal. You have to protect yours, but you have to either destroy the other teams or take everybody out. And so they're trying to destroy the other teams. Uh, Crystal and him and Mimosa are on um, the same team because as Mr. Otaku mentioned, the other guy just straight went to sleep and he's like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. And so they basically, I guess, get the other team on the run, but they're more, they're older, they're more experienced. So basically they set up a trap where they're surrounded. The guy that they're going after who has the crystal, he's got rock magic. The other guy who was he was teamed up with earlier has fire magic and the guy behind him has what looks like to be like ice or water magic or something like that. It's like very elemental magic that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And um, Asta, he's running straight forward the rock dude because that's what Asta does. And Mimosa is just like, oh no, we're surrounded. Like even Asta's not going to be able to deal with all these because they're shooting their most powerful spells at them. From three sides. From three sides. They're basically in the center point of a triangle. And there's, like, nothing they can do. And as they're running, Asta uh, triggers a trap. It's a paralysis trap. And he basically is just, like, knocked out as soon as it's activated. And then the people, of course, see that as their opportunity. So they attack. And then, basically, you have these three magic circles that appear out of nowhere. They absorb the attack, reflect it back at them, but it's twice as powerful. It's kind of like, um... It doesn't, uh... Froge have one of those like with his mirror mirror magic where he can reflect the opponents yeah uh, yeah Froge does have the ability to reflect uh, the attack that's coming at him or whatever yeah it's kind of like that except with like a magic circle and Mimosa calls it like ash magic and basically they find out that it's, it's Zerks and they end up winning the match because he you know slashes the magic crystal after he knocks everybody out but of course, Asta and Mimosa, you know, they're they're high level pissed because they're just like, why would you do that to Asta? Like he's on your team. You can't just like set him up in a trap. And he was like, ha ha ha, you made a good decoy, whatever, whatever. I'm just here for it to be an interesting time. I'm not really here to win or whatever. And of course, you know, that makes Asta especially upset. And it just, it seems like this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Like, that's all I can say. And um, up next, we have Magna and the Amazon lady. Yeah, the lady from, from the, the Blue, Blue Rose, Rose Knights. Knights. Um, the one that's always uh, not calling her, her captain, captain. Captain. Yeah. And we Sorry. also have um, Mimosa's older brother. Yeah, who looks very... Um, I, in my mind, I've dubbed him Sparkly Vermilion. Sparkly Vermilion. Because all he does is sparkle, sparkle. Yeah, hey, that's what he sounds like. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that's what's coming up for the next week for Black Clover. Um, moving on. The Rising of the Shield Hero, episode yeah. number 10. Um, so this episode was another good one. The Rising of the Shield Hero is putting in work, and I'm loving it. And basically, during this episode, um, these people, they show up uh, right after um, Nafomi tells off, uh, what was her name, Melty? Mm-hmm. Right after he tells off Melty, like, hey, move, you're from that family, there's nothing you can say, they'll make me help you, listen to you, or care about anything you have to say, or believe you. So Basically, it's like, get lost. Actually, I'm pretty sure those were his exact words. Probably. 
but yeah so after that or whatever these other guys show up and they're like hey we want to fight with you please let us join your your party and they're not just anybody they're it's important to note that they are royal knights funny because black clover there's the royal knight exam but in the rising of the shield hero they're actually royal knights they're knights from the king's castle who help fight the wave yeah but basically they want to help fight the wave with um, not Nafumi, the, the shield hero, because that the village pe- he saved. Yes, the village that he saved was <laughs> was their family. So they have like great respect and everything for him because he saved their family's lives. Mm-hmm. So they want to work with him. And Nafumi's like, look, if you want to come and uh, be on my crew, pretty much, like you need to. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you need to come up with 100 silvers. 150. 150 silvers or whatever. And buy this little uh, worthless leftover charm for me. And then um, then you can be on my crew or whatever. And they're like, uh, keep in mind, 150 silvers is a lot of money. And Raftalia's like, you're really going to charge them 150 silvers for that leftover accessory? And he's like, yep, yep. sure am. And then... Of course, you know, they spend that entire episode scrounging up the money. And then they show up at the end. They're like, okay, we've got the money. And uh, the, not Raftalio, but uh, Nafumi gives them the charm. He's like, keep the money and go get yourself better armor. Because I don't need you dying on my watch if you're going to, you know, if fight gonna, with me. If you're going to fight with me. So, really, he did all that for them. And it also... That simultaneously proves some of their loyalty to him. Yeah, it proves that they were willing to do it because it's just like, if they weren't serious, they wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't have got that money together. And honestly, I have so much respect for Nafumi for like not just trusting people because in a lot of other anime, at some point in the series, you would have the main character, even if he went to like this quote unquote dark side like Nafumi did, then they would sort of like return back to their normal self and start trusting people again at some point in the anime like that would sort of be the point of their character development is to go back to being a nice person and I'm really glad that in the rising of the shield hero it is like Nafumi is not going to go back to the way he was before all this happened and that's just that that's real like when you when something bad happens to you you're not just going to be like oh brush it off you know i just got accused of rape and everybody in the world hates me but it's okay people are still inherently good no nope. nope that's not how it is that's not how how life works and i'm just really glad that they're showing that and especially when people from the i guess the area or the sector or the whatever you want to call it are trying to be like oh i want to help you you're just like eh but i kind of eh i don't trust you nah not nah, y'all stay over there i'm good so yeah, yeah I, oh there's one other thing that happened in this episode that i think we should discuss um he was ready to do a class upgrade and the only place where you can do it is at the uh, hourglass mm-hmm. or whatever in the castle and he goes to do the class upgrade for him, Natalia or whatever. And he gets ready to do it. And they're like, oh, no, we've been instructed not to do class upgrades. No, they try to charge him an, an exorbitant amount. First, they're like, it's 50 gold pieces to do a class upgrade. And he's just like, whoa, okay. Well, Natalia, you go ahead and do your class upgrade this time. And then um, Philo will go next. And then I'll go after that. And then 
he hands over the gold pieces. She's just like, oh, um, I wasn't expecting you to have this. Because I guess the other heroes don't actually have, like, a bunch of money. No, I think they do have a bunch of money, but they know that they don't pay the, the shield hero. So, therefore, he shouldn't have any anyway. money. Ah. But he actually works for his money, so he does That's have happy. money anyway. He got you. But anyway, the I guess the old lady who's in charge shows up. And, of course, what does she have in her hand? Nothing but a, degre- a decree. A decree. From, a royal decree. From They're Malty. Too- talking about no one is allowed to do class upgrades for the shield hero and his party and so they're just like nafumi right right rightfully so it's just like pissed because he's just like why like you brought me here to fight the waves and now you're impending me from doing what i was brought here to do like what is your problem like come on and so like do you even want me to fight these waves like you just want me to die so he just snatches his money back from the lady he's like let's go and so he goes to the slave trader and he was like basically can you arrange for us to get some class upgrades and the slave trader was like "Mm, i can't do that because like we don't do that here but your best bet is going to be to go to um Uh, another country because each country has an hourglass Mm -hmm. and he's like go somewhere where they're more accepting of the shield hero and so he basically gives them the information free. And one of the things that I actually really, 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 really did like is the fact that in this anime, in this story, the people who are supposed to be the quote unquote good guys, you know, the sh- not the shield hero, the, um, the bow hero, the spear hero, the uh, sword hero, the kingdom, like the people, those are traditionally all supposed to be the good guys and then you have the traditionally bad people you know the people who are the outcasts the the um the demi humans the uh the slave trader all of that they're no those are the people who would normally be considered the bad people and in this anime they're the good guys because the slave trader is the only one who's really willing to help nafumi granted it's because nafumi keeps buying stuff from him and like patronizing his business but yeah and giving his business a good reputation and giving his business a good reputation however it's also like he he's striking reasonable deals with nafumi you know like and yeah he's a slave trader which you know sucks but he's the only person willing to help nafumi he's giving him this information for free when nafumi needs something he's one of the people that nafumi goes to because he knows that you know he's going to actually receive help and what he needs from this person whereas you know if he tried to go to the king it's like he'd probably get thrown in jail for just breathing his air the wrong way yep you know and he'd end up with another in another random fight with the spear hero yeah and it's just like it, it's it's crazy but i kind of like the, the the role reversals and the questioning of what does it actually mean to be a good person and what does it look like to actually go against who what's supposed to be the good the good people so like those uh knights who decide to help nafumi like they're in their mind they're probably going against the quote-unquote good guys who are the kingdom to help the quote-unquote bad guy who is nafumi because they're seeing that okay it's not as black and white as everybody is making it out the city and then the last thing that i really liked about this particular episode was that last scene with the queen and the other country and it's got to be mine and Malty's mother yeah because we know it's Melty's mom and Melty and mine are sisters yeah so 
um, she's just like apologizing basically to Melty where she's like, we need the help of the shield hero. But after the way he's been treated, this is not going to be an easy task. And he's not, he doesn't sound like the type of man who's going to be, you know, forgiving yeah. and stuff. And I kind of like that they acknowledge that. Like, she knows that they've been treating that me like crap. Mm-hmm. She knows. And yep. she knows that she sent her daughter on pretty much an impossible task. And yep. she feels kind of guilty for it, but she's like, there's no other way. Like, we need to get it done. And basically, it seems like the mom's goal is to overthrow the current uh, leadership to the throne or something like that. I don't know. I don't think she has to overthrow it because remember, there was that one part where they were talking about how the king isn't the ultimate authority in the country. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, there's one last part about this one, and I'll get through it real quick because we've been talking about the Shield Hero for a while now. My bad. Um, the uh, last part uh, that I want to talk about is the fact that Nafumi basically called out the sword hero and the uh, oh, bow the hero bow, hero, bow hero basically because they were wondering why their rewards and stuff got revoked or whatever before mm-hmm. they could get them they thought somebody was impersonating them and stealing their rewards or whatever and they were in this restaurant talking about it and it happened to be the same restaurant that the shield hero was in and when the shield hero heard what they were talking about he, he, laughed. he laughed or whatever and he told them like look you guys, if you want to know the real reason the things happen that happen, first, uh, let's go ahead and tackle the uh, the sword hero. Like, hey, you killed that dragon or whatever, and you thought you were going to get paid for it, but you started an epidemic. Yeah, it's like you uh, left the corpse there. Yeah, you left the corpse there, started an epidemic, and I'm the one who got rid of that corpse. That's why they paid me and didn't pay you. And then for the, um, the bow hero, he helped uh, a revolution or whatever in this uh, other land. Um, but basically, all he ended, do, ended up doing was changing the power of leadership and put the people in the same situation with even less food than before. Yeah, because it's just like, okay, so you got rid of the evil person who was in charge, but basically you just cleared the seat for anybody who wanted to take it, and the person who took it was even worse, and they just fought a war, so they're out of food and resources. So they're just like, things are worse than they were before he showed up. But because they're kids, they're not, and they think it's a video game, they're not thinking like, okay, what is the, what are the impacts of what I'm doing? They think it's a video game. I get a quest, I do the quest, I get paid for the quest, I don't think about it anymore. Yep. They're not thinking about the consequences of how they completed the quest and whether they're really fulfilling the true purpose of it. Although I will give it to the sword hero. He's the only one who seems like, even though he's the youngest, he's the only one who seems like he's even halfway intelligent. Because the bow hero was like, it was you, wasn't it? You're the one who's going around impersonating us. And I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, Nafumi can't even pick up a weapon. You know that because at the very beginning, he was like, I need people in my party because I can't pick up a weapon. All I can do is defend. And they were just like, oh, well, sorry, not my problem. How is he supposed to impersonate somebody and he can't even pick up a weapon? Right. And then it's like, everybody knows what he looks like because everybody knows the shield hero. Everybody hates the shield hero. So it's not like he can just go and be like, oh, I'm the bow hero, but I have this giant shield on my arm and I can't actually hold a bow. Like, what? Do you sound, do you hear how dumb you sound? Yeah, but the sword hero, like, after Nafumi explains it to him, he believes him. He's like, man, I need to start thinking about what I do with my actions or whatever. And then he's trying to stop the bow hero. He's just like, hey, man, like, calm down. He has no reason to lie to us. Like, why would he lie? And, And Nafumi straight told him, like, if you don't believe me, go back and see for yourself. Yeah, he's like, go back and ask. Yeah, go back and ask. You don't have to believe me. Yeah. 
But yeah, so and I just love all the little real moments in the Shield Hero. It's a it's a great show. Nafumi is very 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 relatable. Yeah, but moving on, the promised Neverland. I can't even get too hype about it because I don't want to get give spoilers away. And the way I feel about it, I don't know if I can talk about it without spoilers. All right, this, then I'll talk about it. This episode was amazing, though. It was amazing. You should watch it. Um, this episode built so much hype like it built despair and then from the depths of that despair come hype so let's get into it basically norman gets back he tells him what he saw at the wall a cliff a cliff why he a can't bottomless cliff yeah it's like you can't see the bottom we we discussed the cliff in the last episode i know but so. it's so important like the cliff the cliff yeah, he uh, explains what he saw on the other corners of the wall and how this like a hexagonal shape or whatever with the five farms and headquarters. At a 60 degree angle, because let's not forget that these kids are incredibly smart and he could just look at the angle of a wall and be like, oh, that's 60 degrees. Yeah, that's 60 degrees. So this is probably a hexagonal shape. <laughs> like, yeah. This yeah. is why they made it to 11 years old. Yes. I would have been, been a Connie. Bye, yeah, you guys. I'm like, six. Like, I would have had to run all the way around <laughs> that wall to know that it was a hexagon. guy. <laughs> I would have been gone for a long time. He got to run to one corner and he was like, okay, this is what this is. Like, oh, okay, I got it. All right. What you got, Red? Yeah. He was able to uh, pinpoint the way out. There's only one area with a bridge. That's how he knows that that area is headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and that's pretty much it for that. Um, then Norman get shipped and it is a sad moment um ray and uh emma they obviously don't want him to go emma even tries to force him to go last minute by deactivating this tracker but and he, stepping on her broken leg and stepping on his, her broken leg but and uh, he gets so mad in that moment once he realizes what she's about to do norman just she's just like are you insane like no no and so he all of a sudden he twists around and he throws her across the room so she doesn't land on her leg and then everybody's just like oh are they fighting yeah it was just like <laughs> yeah and he also did it so the thing would have been when when uh deactivate his tracker yeah or whatever and he, they have this touching moment and touching goodbye and it was all good or whatever but at the end of the day norman got shit yep and then we see him walk down and then he thinks he's about to just hop on the truck and wait and then all of a sudden mama's like can what? you wait in this room for a minute oh hold on there's one thing that needs to be talked about here um before we move on and that's the cups this cup scene was like a uh it was like a little side story in the um, it's a flashback no i know it's a flashback in the anime but it was a side story in the manga it was oh, like yeah. one of those little extra pages where they're explaining like you know what happened when norman would get sick or whatever and then emma would try to sneak in because she didn't want norman to be lonely yeah. and eventually they came up with these uh cup strings or whatever that ray told them about mm-hmm. so they could talk to each other even if they weren't in the same room so they weren't technically breaking the rules of emma not being in the room but norman wouldn't have to be lonely which i think is kind of important because norman's already made it clear that he likes emma as like more than a friend yeah and it's just like this sort of builds up like at his age why he would have those types of feelings right yeah why he would why he would care for her so much and that's because he feels that she cares for him and that means something to him yeah and um yeah so that builds that and the reason why they chose to put this scene here now is because in his suitcase because he knew he was being shipped 
he didn't pack anything but those cups or whatever because he knew he couldn't take anything with him but he wanted to take that memory with him and that's the reason why he put those cups in that in that suitcase it, and I it's just thought kind it of was impactful because yeah, it's it was just very like impactful. that's his memory you know all the other stuff he left behind but like that one thing was a represent representation of his memories and it was just so just it was so touching it was so touching it really was and then but then Norman getting shipped is only the first half of the episode. Then comes despair. Comes despair. And like, not even like boohoo, I'm sad. It's just like my life has no more meaning. Light. No more meaning. Like, why am I even here? And honestly, they have this moment where like everybody, like, first of all, everybody in the house is just like Ray, Emma, like, are y'all okay? And then the kids are just like, well, they were, it was the three of them for a really long time. They've been together for a really long time. So, you know, they must be really upset that he's gone or whatever. And Phil is just looking at Emma and he just looks at her. He just holds on to her. He cries. And I'm just like, oh, Phil. And then um, basically we just see this montage. Mom basically comes to Emma after Norman is gone and she's just like they have this talk I'm not even gonna try to catch it word by word but basically mom it's just like you can't get away you can't escape so you need to accept your fate and you need to give up now if you want to I want to recommend you to be a mom so that one day you'll grow up you'll have a child and then you can come back to this house as a sister or as a mom and she was like wouldn't you like that and Emma just looks at her like are you insane are you nuts? No, I don't want that. How could I want that? And mom was just like, you need to think about it because just give up. If you're not going to accept that offer, you still need to give up because you're going to die. You're never going to escape. Yep. And it's just kind of like, ooh, okay. Things just got really real. Yep. And from this moment on, like, Emma's just defeated. Like, and like the look in her eyes is just like, she looks dead. Like, she just looks so like, dead. Like, she's alive, but like... Her mind, her body, like, she just seems so lifeless. Like, the light has gone out of her eyes. Yeah, and Ray is honestly no better because they have a moment at the beginning where Don and Gilda and Emma are together in the kitchen, and Ray's just like, I give up. Like, I give up. I'm sorry. Y'all can try to escape, but, you know, just count me out because I'm I'm not doing it. I'm done. I'm done. He's like, I'm sorry. And Emma, she just, she just walks away. And Don and Gilda are just like, whoa, what happened? Like, like, you know, like, look, if y'all want to escape, I won't get in your way. I won't stop you, but just leave me out of it. I'm done. And then we have this like montage. Because you have to understand though, like Ray has been dealing with this all this time. And his one goal has been to get Emma and Norman out safely and now he's gotten so close to this end and he failed Norman is gone Norman has been shipped Norman is dead and he and he just he just lost it he lost his will to keep fighting to live to fight and he's also not mom's you know underdog so it's not like he gets information anymore it's just like he has no he has nothing left to do there's nothing left to do he sees no way out and um we see we have this montage of the days just passing by you know they're dead ray's not reading the books he's not talking to anybody at this and there's this one scene where there's no music in the background and phil is holding on to emma she's outside looking at the tree she's just letting the leaves just fall on her she doesn't even care 
and Phil is just holding on to her crying like Emma and Ray is in the library. He's looking at something. It looks sort of square, kind of like a um, like a picture. That's what it looks like because it's not like paper or anything. I don't know what it was. We don't know what it is, but it looks like he's like looking at this like small piece of paper that I would guess to be a picture of some sort. And then he like he's sitting at the top of like I guess a loft area. Mm-hmm. He's a loft area in the library. Yeah, his hand just falls over and he's just sitting there and he's just like. If I fall, he has his look like if I fall right now and I die, that'd be great. And mom sees him and she looks at him just defeated, sitting there, not even reading, not even caring, just just barely alive. And she smiles and walks away. Yep, because she can tell that she's broken their spirits. Completely demolished them. And then we get to the end of the episode. We hear this we, humming. Yeah, we fast forward to the night before Ray's birthday. Yep, so his last night in the house because he gets shipped the next day. And um, we hear this humming. And Emma, with her crutches, she walks down to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And she opens it and Ray's there with the book. He's staring at a blank page. And uh, Emma walks in and she's like, Ray, what are you doing? You know, why are you up at this hour? And he's like, I'm just saying goodbye to the house. You know, this is my last night here. And then she's like, oh, yeah, your birthday's tomorrow. He's like, yep. And so he looks at her. He's like, hey, Emma, have you really given Given up? up? And then he just looks at her. He snaps the book closed. And he's like, did you give up? It's like, you haven't given up, have Have you? you? And And then then she just looks at him. And she's like, ah, this look in her eyes. This look in her eyes. She looks like murder she looks like murder death yeah like like (laughs) come on emma just got serious like like we're like obviously she hasn't given up like 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 she like you saw some fight in her eyes all of a sudden it was just like it's just like you get your heart pounding like oh no bro she ain't giving up we got she two more episodes up. left this season and it's about to get real and i just remember reading this in the manga and i was just like It's about to go down. It's about to get real. <laughs> so I'm so ready for these next two episodes because, oh my gosh, it just, it gets, it gets so much better. Yep. All right. Um, that's enough of the Promised Neverland. We'll continue next week with the super hype. Um, next up, Domestic Girlfriend. All right. Oh. Let's, let's just go through this one kind of quickly because Domestic Girlfriend, episode 10, it was real stupid. I can sum this whole episode up in a sentence. Uh, I will proceed to explain the sentence, but pretty much, Nasuo lies. Nasuo lies again. He lies again. And he gets caught repeatedly by Rui. And so basically, Nasuo sucks at lying. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's go through Nasuo's lies real quick, because that's what this episode is about. It might as well just be called Nasuo's lies. Can I talk about this one? Can yeah, I talk about yeah, this yeah. one? Yes. We'll try to remain calm. Okay. Right. I can do this. You got this. All right. Go. So in this episode, we have... Natsuo, okay? Hina has moved out. So the first thing that we see, of course, is him making out with Hina in her new apartment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't really agree with their relationship, but at least they're in her apartment in the privacy of her own home this time. Right? Yeah, and better then, than being in the middle of the school like they were in the last one. I'm so still shocked that nobody saw them and they didn't get caught. Right? But we're moving on. And basically, they have all these cliche things where Hina's cooking for him, and then they just start making out, and then she burns whatever she's cooking. And, you know, he is just so happy and chirper. And then we have this scene. They go back to school, 
and the advisor for their club, he's been out for three days. So as a club, they decide, let's go see what's going on with him. Except it's just not so Rui and the club president, the girl with the green hair. Yep. They go to his house. They basically find out that one, he's not sick. Um, two, he's actually just an author and he's just really tired because he's been working pretty much nonstop to meet a deadline for his editor. And that's why he hasn't been in school. And they also find out that he's also the, basically, the novelist that he's obsessed with, that yeah, Natsuo was obsessed with. And so he just has this moment like, oh my God, like I've met God. He has that look in his eyes. Yeah, because he didn't know that because, he, of course, he writes under a, a different a pen, pen name. name because, yeah. you know, he's not supposed to have another job outside of teaching. Right. But when they get there, his editor is the one who opens the door. And of course, she's young and she's pretty or whatever and she lets and she's inside of his house you know when he's supposed to be sick so they think oh is that his wife is that his girlfriend like who is she basically he's like that's his editor and so the next day at school um Natsuo is teasing the class or the club president about it like oh you must really like him because you were all sad and stuff when she opened the door but when he left you were all her name is Miyu by the way Miyu um, basically he was like you were all smiles and stuff and they're walking up the steps and she elbows him and she's like shut up Natsuo and he falls down the stairs and basically ends up getting a hairline fracture in his leg Yep. and so he has to have a cast or whatever um, of course you know she apologized because she's a really shy meat girl and so she's on the floor bowing down she's like, like I'll pay so for sorry. your medical bills blah 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 if you need anything me. help me and of course all the boys in the class are like Natsuo, use this as an opportunity <laughs> to make yeah. her do whatever you want. Because they don't know Natsuo's actual life. Yeah, but Natsuo but, doesn't do that. But let's 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 get to the the the, the meat of this this episode. So Natsuo's leg is broken. Um, Rui, as we all know, has a huge crush on him. And so she's at this point where she's like, I'm really glad that your leg is broken because now you have to be home because Natsuo has been lying, saying that he's been going over to Fumia's house when he's been going over to Hina's apartment, right? Yep. And basically, um, she's like, I'm glad that you have to stay home now. And she does this thing where she gets in the bath with him. And of course, her thing is like, we've already had sex. So like, it's not a big deal. You've already seen all there is to see. And um, yeah, so she thinks she's finally getting her chance or whatever. Yeah, and um, she's helping him bathe and all this other stuff. But of course, not so well. Is still, you know, lying, and he goes over to Hina's apartment, and he's like, "Would oh, you?" Before he goes over to Hina's apartment, um, uh, she he gets caught in this first lie or whatever because Rui. Uh, oh yeah, because, because Rui goes to, to the restaurant. the restaurant where his friend Fumia works, and she's like, "Oh, sorry, Fumia. Like, I know that Natsuo has been coming over to your house a lot lately, but, but his leg is broken, broken, so he's not, probably not going to be able to come over for a while." And he just looks at her; he's so confused. Like, what are you talking about? He hasn't been over to my house in a long time. And so Rui, of course, confronts him and he's like, what I do like about Rui is how straightforward she is. She's like, so I talked to Fumi and he said that you haven't been over to his house. So where have you been? Where have you been and why are you on? Because and her thing is basically like, when you aren't here, I have to eat dinner by myself. So she's basically like, so where you been? And then he, first of all, he doesn't address the lie. He's just like, oh, well, 
Momo has been asking me to come over to her house so she doesn't have to eat dinner alone. And I didn't want to tell you because I know I knew you'd be angry. First of all, this Momo is, is Momo's that- her best friend, right? And Momo has a huge crush on him. And Momo's so, also in the lit club with them. Right. It's like, That's, you just set yourself up to get caught in another lot. Yeah. Like, because, like, her chances of seeing Fumia, she had chances of seeing him, but it wasn't as high probability. But she has a much higher chance of seeing Momo or whatever. But the thing is, like, with Fumia, she's not going to invite herself over. But with Momo, like, that's your best friend. Like, yeah, you'd be like, okay, so, hey, since you're inviting Natsu over for dinner, maybe I can come with the next time and we can all have dinner together. And that's just, like, a casual conversation that you would have with your friend since none of y'all want to eat dinner by yourselves, apparently. So I'm just like, that was such a bad lie. But then what I love about this episode, Fumia is officially my favorite character in this anime because Fumia is the only one with any common sense. Because he's like, he calls not so long. He's upset. He's mad because he's like, hey, if you're going to use me to lie, let me know beforehand because I felt like I said something that I shouldn't have said or I got you in trouble or something. And he's like, if you're going to lie, that's fine. Just let me know. Just let me know. I can't cover for you if I don't know. Like, right. And like she caught me off guard. Like, And that's the thing. That's bait. That's lying one on one. Like, I hate to say it, but it's like everybody who's involved in your lie needs to be aware of the lie. I'm yeah. sorry, that, that, that's basic, you know? Yeah. And then, basically, moving on, he gets, he ends up going over to Hina's house again, and he's like, um, basically, you know, would you help me take a bath since I can't, you know, do it by myself with my leg or whatever? She's like, well, of course I would. And so, that leads to a completely different conversation. And so... In the middle of that happening, there's a knock at the door, and who else is there except for Rui? And basically, she comes in, she sees Natsu there, and then she runs off and she leaves. And Fumia, he, Natsu leaves, Fumia calls him, and he's like, hey, you know, Rui was just over here to pick you up since it was raining outside. And of course, you know, I told her that you had left already, but, you know, I couldn't get in touch with you or whatever. Yeah. And so he goes out in the rain to look for her and they have this quote unquote moment or whatever, where she's just like, I'm really tired of you lying to me. And yeah. and she hits him. And she, she hit, slaps him. She slaps hard. him. And she's so nice. Because <coughs> she hit him in the face. I would have kicked him in the leg personally. <laughs> and the broken leg. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> Sorry. But um, yeah. And basically they have this moment where he's like, I've been in love with Hina for a long time. Yep. He finally tells her the truth and that's pretty much where the episode ends. Yep. <clears throat> but his terrible skills at lying, I'm just over it. And when, of course, when he gets caught, Hina's like, so what did you tell Rui? And she was, he was like, look, I told her that I was at a friend's house. I didn't tell her that I was coming over here. Yeah. he'll see the consequences of it in the next episode yeah all right finally we're done with that domestic girlfriend no more (laughs) all right so let's take a quick little break a break all right so now we're back and let's get to the meat and potatoes the anime that we binge this week iriduku the world in colors 
Um, it was uh, 13 episodes. We watched it subbed on Amazon Prime. And the subtitles sucked, just to be honest. All subtitles suck on Amazon Prime. Like, <laughs> really. Like, the timing was just off for almost every episode. Either they came too early or they came too late. Or no, the worst ones were the ones with the music. And, like, they don't know, like, basic subtitling one-on-one. If you have music, put it at the top and then have the words of the cus- that the people are saying at the bottom. That way you can separate what's what. But it's just but like... you know, that was on Domestic Girlfriend, too. They do that. Yeah, I don't know what's with these amateur dubs, these amateur subs. I don't know. But, but some people need to set their games up. And, um, yeah. So, Iridoku, The World in Colors is basically about... Hitomi, she has this thing where she can't see colors. And um, her grandmother, she's in the year 2079. And her grandmother, in the first episode, she's like, I'm going to send you back to the time when I was a teenager. Like when I was a second year in high school? Yeah, and you're going to find what you need there. And so without any other explanation than that, she sends her back to the year 2018. Yeah, she sends her her 60 years in the past. 60 years in the past. And um, she gets there and she's like so confused because in the future, for one, they don't use cash. Mm-hmm. Two, everything is like it looks the same, but it's different. And so she can't find the magic shop. And then once she gets there, of course, the person that she's looking for, her grandmother, isn't there. She's like studying abroad or something. And so she's trying to explain to the family that, you know, have all been dead since she's been alive that, you know, she's part of the family or whatever. And of course... But- At least her grandmother gave her a note, so it kind of helped explain things. Yeah, so they believe her or whatever. And magic apparently runs in their family. And so basically the whole anime is about Hitomi learning to come to terms with the fact that she is a mage and that she is actually a pretty powerful mage. And she she can learn how to use magic. And Yeah, because before she went back, she didn't like magic because there's a whole backstory but you'll find that out when you watch it. We're not going to spoil well, all the details. But basically, she hates magic. She doesn't want to use it. And um, basically, I think what it ended up being is like the reason she can't see colors because she cast magic on herself. Yeah, she cast some type of magic on herself by accident. But it was unconscious, so was she unconscious, can't undo it. So she couldn't undo it and she couldn't see colors. Yeah. But basically, when she goes back in time, there's this uh, one boy uh, Yuto. named Yuto who, uh, who draws and she can actually see, see in color. color what he draws or whatever and it's like the only thing that's in color in her entire grayscale world mm-hmm. so and she just like loves it she's yeah. just like let me see your drawings and of course um, they end up at the same school he is I think he's a third year and she's a second year or something like that. I don't know. I thought they were both second years, but it, no, because I, it, he's getting ready. Him and the class president are getting ready for like college and trying to figure out what their plans are. Him, the president, I don't think it and matters. but uh, okay, just shut me down with my little thoughts. But. I mean, it's fine. I just <laughs> whatever. It's just anyway. They end up at the same school. They all end up in the same after school club. It becomes the magic arts photography club. Um her grandmother is Kohaku she comes back from overseas she joins the club and she's the magic part of it Yuto's the only one who draws so he's the arts club and then everybody else is in the photography club and all together there's about seven there's seven of them and basically um Hitomi makes friends with them and basically starts living her best life 
with them. And she comes to terms with who she is, being a mage, um, using magic. She falls in love with Yuto, and Basho falls in love with her. But Asagi is in love with him, and it makes for this really weird love triangle type situation. Quadrilateral. Quadrilateral, whatever. <laughs> Some crazy. <laughs> and um, they have to, you know, of course, deal with that. But... Basically, Yuto and Hitomi fall in love with each other. And, of course, they're heartbroken because at towards the end of the anime, it's apparent that she has to go back to her own time because if she stays, she's going to get sucked into a time gap and she's just going to disappear from both timelines. And so, basically, the beginning half is her finding her place. The second half of the anime is her trying to figure out how to get back to her correct time. Yeah. And it was all good. It was a nice, really sweet, cute little story. Yeah, and it kind of sucks you in, honestly. And it was worth the watch. And it was very beautiful. The colors were really bright. But uh, (laughs) it wasn't wasn't too much. It was really pretty. Honestly, it's not on the scale of Ancient Magus Bride or Violet Evergarden. Like, I feel like those were just like, I know it sounds weird, but they were like shinier to me. I don't know. It's like this was really bright, but the colors were kind of like more like sunsetish colors. Yeah. Versus just like really vibrant yeah, colors. Yeah, yeah, those other anime had really vibrant colors and vibrant scenes, and every moment in those animes were like screenshot worthy. Yeah. This was more like it was just like it put this anime was done in such a way that it put emphasis on the beauty of colors, so you could tell what she was missing without her ability to see the colors. Yeah. So I would actually highly recommend this if you like slice of life anime. It's, it's really cute. It's got a good pace. Um, none of the characters were just, like, cringeworthy. Yeah, all the characters were good characters. They all seemed kind of real, and they all developed. It was, yeah. it was nice. Yeah, it was really nice. But, yeah, that is actually it for our anime this week. Um, so, next week, we're going to continue, of course, with One Piece and Black Clover. And um, after that, of course... We're going to keep watching The Rising of the Shield Hero, Promise Neverland, and Domestic Girlfriend. We're actually starting to wrap up this season. So we're starting to look forward to what we're going to be watching week to week next season. So if you guys have any recommendations, of course, as always, let us know what we should be watching. And we'll give it a try. Um, we do plan to watch er- Ergo Proxy. Ergo Proxy. It was recommended to us um, on Twitter by Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. By uh call me DJM on Twitter. Yeah. And he like is really passionate about it. So I'm hoping that it's gonna be something really awesome. But yeah, if you have any anime you'd recommend, feel free to uh hit us up on Twitter and let us know. Yep, at I'd rather anime. Yep. That's us. And anything that you plan on watching next next season that you think maybe we should give it a try. You know, shout that out too. That way we can look into it. Right? Because we're going to have to start looking pretty soon. I know. The search. I hate the search. I hate the search. I hate the search. But it is what it is. Okay. Um, And now for your public service announcements from the Otaku Couple. All right. So we did tell you last week that we were going to do YouTube. and um, That wasn't a lie. It wasn't a lie at the time. And we did put something up there, but... um, It's gone. It's gone. Um, Because we decided not to do YouTube. We have mainly audio content, so we figured it really didn't fit that video format. Um, But yeah, 
So in substitute for YouTube, we decided to do some other things instead. So you'll still get additional content from us and that content will be in the podcast feed. Um, we're going to do uh, I'd Rather Talk Anime where we talk a little bit more about subjects that we don't get to talk about on the podcast. We're going to do I'd Rather Manga episodes where basically we talk about the manga that we're reading and uh, I'd Rather Not for the anime that we just didn't like and we don't suggest you watch. Um, and I'd Rather Review for the extra anime that we don't really get a chance to review on the podcast but we still want to talk about. And um, that's pretty much it. And um, oh, we're also doing more stuff on IGTV. Um, some of the uh, raw, uncut conversations that we have around the house. Um, we just uploaded one recently about uh, Kenshin and Zoro and Mihawk. And uh, it was pretty good. You can check it out on IGTV at I'd Rather Anime. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, guys, that's it for this episode of I'd Rather Anime. If you liked it, please subscribe to the podcast and then tell your friends about it so they can listen and subscribe too. If you haven't already, please make sure that you are following us on Twitter and Instagram. And if you have a minute, check us out on Instagram TV so you can hear that raw and uncut version that we talked about. Trust me, it's worth your time. All right. And of course, as always, if you're interested, you can hit us up at I'd Rather Anime. And we know you could be doing other things, but we're glad that you decided to anime with us. Until next time. Peace. Out. And, and then, then she just looks at him and it's just like, ah! This look like, in her like eyes. This look in her eyes. This, she looks like murder. Like, she looks like murder death. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> come on. Emma just got serious. Like, like. On the floor, bowing down. She's like, like I'll pay so for sorry. your medical bills. Blah, blah, blah. If you need anything, me. help me. And of course, all the boys in the class are like, Natsuo, use this as an opportunity <laughs> to make her do whatever you want. It's like, <gasps> it's about to go down. It's about to get real. <laughs> so, like, can we watch some anime now?